Hey friends, you're listening to the Difference Makers Podcast, and I'm your host, Jamie Mullins. On each monthly episode, we'll have a guest that will give us a peek into what it looks like for them to be a difference maker, a leader in the places God has given them influence. My hope is that it leaves you encouraged to use your gifts, passions, and story to make a difference right where you are. Hey, everybody! Hoppa! Pull up a chair. Oh, you guys. Wow. So I'm Bob. <laughs> I'm a lawyer, and even with all of this corona thing going on, I'm still a hugger. Um, but uh, not the creepy kind, or you'll need a lawyer. So one of the things that I'm just so glad, I was just sitting over there delighting uh, in just being together as a family. I was picturing the whole heavenly host in heaven leaning over saying, you guys, come on, check out what's happening here. And as you guys are leaning into him, I can see heaven leaning into you. And so I hope what you'll do is we could take a time and transform a big room into a small room. It's just a living room, and we're just having a conversations about, about Jesus and how uh, he's impacted us and what differences we might make for other people. We don't want to just walk around and agree with these things because Jesus took that off the table. There's not one time we asked for his disciples to just agree with him. He said, let's go do this thing. James 1.22, don't just be hearers of the word, but do what it says. And I have a really orthodox theology. I, it's just about loving everybody always and starting with the people that creep you out. <laughs> and here's the crazy part. You're the ones that creep people out. <laughs> you thought it was a talk. This is actually an intervention. I need to let you know. Hey, before we go any further, will you turn to the person next to you? At the count of three, I'm going to ask you to do thumb wars. You remember thumb wars when you were a kid? Okay. One, two, three, go. Come on. Get in there. Get in there. Five, five, four, three, two, one. Okay, cease fire. Cease fire. Okay, I got a question for you. All right, return to me. How many of you went through all of the rules? One, two, three, four. Yes, Presbyterians. <laughs> How many of you guys just went in for the kill? You're like, yes, Baptists. <laughs> How many of you said, like, you can just have me? Yeah, just have your way. How about you say, like, you can't tell me what to do. Be like, non-denominational. So what I, what I want to do tonight is talk about some of the agreements that we make with ourselves. Like, sometimes we make these agreements with ourselves. It seems to be one, two, three, four. And, and I think what Jesus invites us into something deeper than maybe we've experienced before. And uh, in order to fix it, you need to understand it. And so for me, that's been this adventure that oh, I'm just trying to go a little bit deeper in my faith. And, and I'm trying not to let these mess ups that I've had in my past prevent me from this bright future that Jesus Amen. has for Amen. me. And I hope if you're in this room and in a room this big, there's some of you that are just hanging on by a thread. You're just feeling far from God. I just want you to know you are welcome here. You're surrounded by a bunch of people that just want to invite you in. The heavenly host is just saying, bring it. Just be real. Just get, just get real about it. Man, if uh, mess-ups were push-ups, I'd be totally ripped. 
<laughs> but he uses us anyway. One thing that happened this year since the last time I was here with your amazing staff and Pastor Toby, I'm just, I want to tell you, these guys could be running a small country, but what, what they want to do is they run a, a big church, and they want to include everybody. They've drawn a circle of around everybody and said, you're just welcome. But, but what I think we want to do is bring it authentically to them. And, and not letting the messes rule us out. I turned 60 this year, and on my 60th birthday, I got a KTM 500 dirt bike. Come on! Oh, you guys. Yeah. Here's the deal. I've been learning how to jump it. I, I, I've gone 30 feet so far. Here's the deal. The bike only went 20. <laughs> right over the top. But... But you know what? I, I dusted myself off. I got back on the bike. Some of you went over the handlebars. It was in a relationship. It was in a career. It was, you know, half of you are, are afraid you're going to lose your job, and the other half of you are afraid you're going to keep it. I, but, but figure out what it is that sets you back and the rule that you made about that. I want the rule to be that we're doing more important stuff. Nehemiah 6, you know the story as Nehemiah is putting the, the wall back together again, and somebody came to distract him. Six times they came to get his attention every time he said, I am doing important work here, and I am not coming down. And I think if we understand why we're doing what we're doing, then you can get back to the important work you're doing and quit coming down. We don't want to let this stuff distract us all the time because that's what's getting us like kind of off message. We, we get in these circumstances. Things don't go right. I went, there was this uh, group. I won't mention Mercy Me, but like they, <laughs> they rented a whole boat, but they got a defective boat. <laughs> Only one engine worked. And so we were supposed to go to all these islands, but we couldn't because the boat was going so big slow. We, we finally got to this one thing. It only had one engine. Out of the two engines, the other engine got removed like six months before. Well, I'm on this boat. This is the wrong time to be on a boat at sea for a long time. So I mostly stayed in my room, and I made these things. Like, can you throw that thing up on the screen? I, I, I mostly made I'm going to press this one more time, see if it shows up. Yes, I learned how to make these. Towel art. I, I sat in my room the whole time and making towel art. And I, and I think the problem is this. Some of us got so freaked out about what would happen if we got back to the important work of loving people that we stayed in our cabin. If you don't like being with people, you're going to hate heaven. Here's a great place for you to go, though. <laughs> Buford, Wyoming. There's only one person that lives there. <laughs> That guy's thinking about moving. He's like, I'm out of here. You know what was different about me? I wasn't trying to steer the ship. Even though a couple things had gone wrong, I thought there was people that actually knew this destination that we were going to. I trusted them, notwithstanding some of the circumstances. Sure, it wasn't going as fast as I wanted to go. Things might not be happening as fast in your life as you wanted to go. I mean, I make coffee nervous. I'm like, I eat sushi and I don't even like fish. I just like that it's ready. I, but, <laughs> don't make towel art. Don't sit around isolated. God does his best work in all of us. The second thing I wanted uh, to do uh, behind uh, learning how to jump a motorcycle was learning how to pick a lock. <laughs> this life of crime. So this is how I learned. I got a lock. It's transparent. I got it from eBay. Hey, go, go and order it now. Amazon, they'll deliver it before you even order. They just know you want it. Hey, hey, you're right. 
So this is why your keys have all these ridges on it. There's seven pins in every lock. And what you do is you get a little bobby clip and you stick it in here and you flip back the seven pins. When you can see the seven pins, it's pretty easy to do. What's hard to do is this, when you put it underneath the table. And what it's gonna take is a lock picker's touch. And I think if you want to go a little bit deeper in your faith, you're gonna have to ask the questions. What's been distracting me? Why am I coming down from the important work God gave me to do to get distracted by all these things? We got all these arguments. You guys, I'm a lawyer. I win arguments for a living. You'd know when we were arguing because I'd be winning. (laughs) But I'm not trying to be Jesus' lawyer because he doesn't need one and I'm not good enough and you're not either. And so you don't need to swing at every pitch that comes along your way. People are a little bit on edge. What they want to know is their people are learning how to pick the lock. They're trying to get real with their life so they can actually have these conversations knowing that we're wounded and in tremendous need of a God who can fix some of these things. I I write books every once in a while. Every time I want to build a school, I just write a book. (laughs) It's better than making cupcakes. People would die. But I've learned what a collective noun is, like a crush of hippos, a school of fish, a murder of crows. Do you know what a bunch of alligators is? A congregation. (laughs) Just saying. Well, sometimes it can be hard. Really, when there's filled with people as insecure and difficult as you and I, I, that's what we do, but we do it anyway. We do it in community, and God lifts us up. You're singing to him, and the heavenly host is looking down on you. I got a call from the uh, Missoula, Montana police recently. They said, uh, are you Mr. Goff? I'm like, maybe. (laughs) Who wants to know? And they said, there's actually been a drive-by shooting tonight. I'm like, oh, heavens, why in the world are we talking? They said, not to worry, the uh, bullet didn't hit the person they were aiming for. It hit the uh, book they were carrying. Love does. (laughs) In your face, Hemingway, my typos stop bullets. Like, <laughs> write down your words. How many of you have ever thought about writing a book? Come on, raise them up there. They, yeah, a lot of my friends who are authors don't off. They, that's not a word. They just never get around to it. Write these things down. Deuteronomy 5, when you wake up in the morning, when you're walking on the way, tell them about the things that God's done. When you lie down at night, tie them in front of your forehead. Put them right here, these promises of God. In the Old Testament, God showed up, what'd they do? They stacked rocks. They didn't run out of paper. Just want to say, God showed up here. This is an important place. I'm not coming down. I'm not getting distracted by all these other arguments around there. What I'm going to do is you're going to write this stuff down. And you want to know how to write a great story? Do this. Talk about something really, really relatable. Did you know there's 20,000 species of bees? Is that crazy? Yeah. Here, here's the, the next thing I want you to do. Talk about something important. Here's the deal. Not all bees make honey. 2,000 out of 20,000 bees. What God doesn't do, he doesn't compare what he creates. I want you to talk about relatable things. I want you to talk about important things, and then I want you to turn the camera a little bit. Did you know that, that there are um, uh, uh, types of bees that make honey that's actually poisonous? There's wasps that make honey that's poisonous. 
Talk about number three, something really relatable. Flip the camera and then finally don't resolve it. If you wanna know how you write love does, do that 30 times. Something relatable, something important. Flip the camera, don't resolve it. You wanna do that 30 more times? You got everybody always. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's talking about something important. Talking about something super relatable. Flip the camera. Uh, Jesus is the smartest theologian ever to walk the face of the earth until John Piper got here. And, <laughs> and he points to two sheep. And he says it's like one of those gets away. Everybody knows exactly what he's talking about. What I want you to do is find those things in your life. What he wants us to do is to have Jesus just fresh and involved in what you do. But we gotta have our eyes open. We gotta do the important work of looking for evidence of him. Acts 1-1, Theophilus, lover of God. Look for many convincing proofs that Jesus is still alive. And when we get that right, we start finding evidence of Jesus everywhere. I was flying from Chicago uh, over, and when we pulled into the gate, it turned out that we were carrying the remains of a fallen soldier. And when we, when we pulled up, this is what was happening at the gate. It was an honor guard. There was something really beautiful and solemn. Nobody had to say what was going down. Everybody on that plane just knew this is what it looks like to honor people. I want that to be our anthem. As followers of Jesus, that we just honor people. We're not like umpires calling balls and strikes. I get it, first people, always be ready to make a defense for the hope that's within you. But keep reading, and it says do it with kindness and respect. I think if we start honoring people, knowing that they're just dealing with different stuff than, than I'm dealing with right now, that's when, we, that's when people see Jesus. I want them to meet you and feel like they just met heaven. All of them, not some of them. All the ones that have been watching you tonight. And every act of selfless love is a declaration of faith. I want us to be those people. I want us to be known for those things. There's a guy that plays a bunch of music and they had a big concert. And so uh, he was nearby San Diego. So I drove up and we were sitting in a little room behind the stage and there was a couple people in there and this guy, I know this sounds kind of weird, but he had just the most piercing eyes. This guy, like I'd never met him before. I'm like, what the heck? Stop looking at me. And so... <laughs> I was like, whatever. And so after, you know, 45 minutes, we, we walked out, and people saw him and lost their minds. Do you know who he was? His name is Jim Caviezel. He's Jesus from the Passion. You guys, I was in the room with Jesus for one hour. I didn't even recognize him. And I, I think what I want us to remember is that Jesus is in the room. I remember when Toby invited the Holy Spirit to be part of this. Like, Jesus is in the room. I want you to see Jesus, not just in the people that get it right, but the people that are screwing it up, like me, like you. When we start seeing Jesus in that person, we've got it. I've met a lot of people who have great doctrine and lousy theology. I want great doctrine and great theology. And loving people who creep you out is awesome theology. I'm telling you, you start doing that, people will see, what wow, Jesus is in the room. And I've been just trying to do this stuff Jesus talked about. Some kid called me, he said, I'm looking for a plan for my life. I'm like, well, look no further. Matthew 25, it said, these are the only things we're talking about when we get to heaven. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to eat. I was a stranger, I was creepy, and you invited me in. 
I was, I was sick and you comforted me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in jail and you came. That's it, you guys. Hungry people, thirsty people, sick people, strange people, naked people, and people in jail. You can't tell if anybody's hungry, but you can tell when they're naked. <laughs> what I've been trying to do is just do that. Quit waiting for a plan. Pirates have plans. They're right here. The only thing in Jesus' back pocket is a picture of you, all screwed up. It's just you, the real you, not the fake you, not the Instagram you, but the real you. I, I teach at Pepperdine Law School. Can you imagine me teaching at a top-tier law school? <laughs> I'm like, everybody passes the bar. You get a car, you get a car, you get a car. <laughs> it's not the only place I teach. I also teach here at San Quentin. <laughs> I got 400 felons in my class. It's awesome and rowdy and crazy. Every once in a while, class gets counseled because the inmates have more weapons than the guards. <laughs> it's rowdy. Well, we, we talk about having, about having a clear message. It comes from Colossians 4. Paul's prayer is this, my prayer is that we could present the gospel of the mystery of Christ and to do it with clarity. I'm telling you, just, just know why you're doing what you're doing. Having clarity in your message. I wear this Red Sox hat. I've never gone to a Red Sox game, ever. I, I, we, I live in San Diego. I've never gone to a game there. Evidently, we have a major league team. Who would know? Um, <laughs> But my neighbor, Carol, some of you know, was a huge Red Sox fan, and she got cancer. We knew she was gonna be with Jesus by the end of the week, and so I told her, I'll wear your Red Sox hat for the rest of my life and represent the Sox here on earth. But in exchange, every time Jesus walks by you, you need to mention my name. <laughs> There's a verse in Mark that said, I knew you not. I'm like, Carol! So, Know why you're doing it. I wear a mood ring. Isn't that awesome? I got it for like four bucks on eBay. Uh, Sweet Maria uh, and I are so different. I'm like, I get around you guys. I'm like, people! <laughs> like Tigger. She, uh, she has what's called extreme social anxiety. There's a reason she's not here, because she's not anywhere <laughs> with me, ever. Uh, she thinks having me in the room is a lot of people. And... <laughs> So one of the things we stopped doing about a decade ago, we never talk about where I am. She doesn't know I'm in Texas. <laughs> Just didn't come up. But, <laughs> but what we do is we talk about how I feel where I am. She'll ask me tonight, tell me what color your ring is. I say, it's kind of green with a little blue. She's like, what does that mean? Oh, it means I was with a group of people. They were, they were looking up at heaven, and heaven was looking down at them. That's what, that's what tonight feels like. And I think if we could do that, just be in touch with how we feel and get real with it, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It matters what it is. Ladies, if you're just dating a guy, say, say uh, will you wear a mood ring? And if he tells you, I'm not into talking about my feelings, say, that's awesome, I'm not into you. <laughs> See ya. Like, remember when you were a kid? And you'd make paper airplanes. You'd, uh, you'd, you'd kind of give it a couple folds. You'd make like a pointy end on it. And then maybe a couple like wings in there. Maybe you'd put even a fancy tail on it. Well, you guys, this thing, we spent a lot of time trying to make our faith look good. 
Uh, you know this thing wouldn't make it to the first row. I mean, it looks okay, but do you want to have this thing go far? This is what you do. <laughs> Literally, this thing will go way further. Just crumple it up. I'm not saying chuck your faith. I'm saying understand your faith. Understand where you are. Get real with God. Get with, real with the people around you. That's how you pick the lock. As soon as we stop caring what your faith looks like and get real about what it is, that's where we get really good. I, I, we went around the, uh, the small group uh, two or three days ago. I was in San Quentin with these guys, and we figured out the average sentence, including me, was 107 years <laughs> for each. For, so they did not just jaywalk. And so... <laughs> So I was talking about, they, they, they spent a lot of time in the yard, like moving iron around. And, and, you know, if I put more than 100 pounds on one of these bars, I would just be on my chest. So we were talking about, like, what do you have to get off your chest? And each guy went around. The guy next to me said, you know, I got something to get off my chest. I, I got 140 years to go. I've served 20 years so far, and I've been telling people for 20 years that I didn't do it, that I got framed. I just want you to know. I did it. And there was this beautiful moment, this idea of in the gospel, and John 8, of the, the truth setting you free. That's what was happening. Amen. What would happen outside the walls of San Quentin if you got real with Jesus? To say, I, I know I made a promise to somebody. I, I know I've broken that promise. I, I, I looked at something I shouldn't have looked at. I, I've been sending like text messages to somebody I shouldn't have been sending text messages. I'm not having an affair. I'm just distracted by all this. Get real with your faith. I don't care what it looks like. Jesus wants to go far with you. And some of it is just shame that just that keeps us away from that. And I'll tell you on your very worst day, with your biggest screw up, you don't want anybody to know about do you know what Jesus calls you? He calls you beloved. And if you're not hearing the word beloved spoken over your shoulder right now, it ain't Jesus talking. Get back to why you're doing what you're doing. I don't care what it looks like. You will never see me in a picture not doing this. Do you know why? Sweet Maria Goff experiences the world through Instagram. I just don't want it to look like I'm going to the prom with everybody. Every time I take a picture, I just honor my wife. There's something beautiful about that. Do the right things for the right reasons. Do it because you've got important work to do, and you're not coming down. You're not going to get distracted by what's on the news or what's happening around you. And then find other people. Uh, there's a young man that uh, got out of San Quentin. He'd been in there for quite a while. He was part of a gang, and there'd been somebody in a rival gang that was killed who had killed his brother. And well, this, uh, this young man, he got out. But before he got out, the warden let me go into his cell and tell him, uh, this is your release date. And then I got to tell him, instead of paroling you back to the city where that gang's waiting for you, we're paroling you to San Diego. And then I told him, you're hired. <laughs> I haven't told Maria. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work out. It's either going to be awesome or a train wreck. There's just no in between. When, when, uh, when this young man got out of prison, he'd, he'd never seen a cell phone before. He'd never driven a car. He'd, never, he'd been in there his whole adult life. And so when he got out, a friend gave him a cell phone. I was his first call. And he called me up. He said, Bob, I'm on the outside, right? And you know what? I, I just said, you know, how does it feel? What are you thinking? And you know, he said, Bob, I've got 
pockets. <laughs> what the heck? I was thinking something deeper. And but then I realized in San Quentin, you can't have pockets because you'll carry around the wrong stuff. I'm telling you, this is the gospel, the mystery of the gospel of Christ. Empty your pockets. You got pockets, man. You be really careful what you put in them. What are you hanging on to? What do, you, what, do you, what do you need to just let go and to say, Jesus, would you please just come and take this away from me so I can move on? This this young man's first day of work was a fly down to Texas with me about a week and a half ago. He, he has never been in a church. He met Jesus in the weight room, pumping iron. Uh, he's never been on an airplane before. He's never sat in a hotel. He's never spent the night. He's spent his whole life behind bars. And, and what I have is tremendous anticipation. Don't you see that young man and think, where will God lead him next? That's exactly how God feels about you. If you just got to get real enough to just say, I've had a couple setbacks along the way, and, and God is trying to build something beautiful in you. I, I grew up in San Jose, California, and we had this place in San Jose. It was called the Winchester Mystery House. And the crazy guy that invented the, the Winchester rifle died and left his wife $1 billion to get a roof over her head, and that's what she built. <laughs> it has 60 rooms. Uh, 30 of them have no doors to get in. 20 of them have no windows. There's stairways that don't go anywhere. You guys, there's 30 bathrooms. Only one works. It's like high stakes rock, paper, scissors. Right? <laughs> what I want us to do is stop building consensus. I want to build a kingdom. You got important work to do. Don't come down. Don't get distracted by all the other things, the people that creep you out. Just, just be aware of what's going on. I, I live out in the bush for about three or four months out of the year. My nearest neighbor is 10,000 square miles away. We make our electricity off a glacier. We catch our, it's like being hippies without the tie-dye shirts. It's awesome. We are off the grid. And, and one of the things that, that we do to get in, I've got this old beaver seaplane. You can tell if a beaver seaplane is leaking yeah, or out of oil because it'll stop leaking. One, one of the things that you do, you fly and you got to trust these instruments. We had a, a huge setback in the loss of, of Colby recently. And, and, I, and what happened is that the person at the controls lost touch with what was going on inside the cockpit because he lost touch with what was going on outside the cockpit. And I want us to live our faith. You wanna get back to this original version of your faith? Know what's going on inside the cockpit. Focus your time, just go back to Jesus. Say, what does scripture say about this? Stop arguing with people. Just say, what does scripture say? Just go back to that. Know what's going on outside the cockpit. That there's a bunch of people that are tremendously afraid and insecure, like you and me, but don't have a lot of hope. So when they do something wonky, just say, look, well, that makes sense. If you didn't have a direction to go, you'd be ricocheting off of everybody. If we get that part right, we get everything right, know that we're just going to be tremendously conflicted. Constantly, there when I was driving down the road, I saw this car with a license plate, Amish. <laughs> like, like, no. <laughs> Maybe a little of both. 
But that's Romans 7. It's Paul. He's like, I keep doing the stuff that I don't want to do, and I keep not doing the stuff I do want to do. Boy, I'm, you guys lean into that. Get back to the important work. Don't get distracted by all your failures. Get your eyes fixed on Jesus. He knows you're going to screw it up. You're you. But what he wants to do is have you return to him to come to get more clarity, to make clear this, this gospel, this gospel message. And he does it in stories. Matthew 13, it said that Jesus never spoke to anybody without telling him a story. Could you imagine going to dinner with him? He's like, would you pass the salt? He's like, you know about salt. You're like, is this going to take a while? And Thomas is like, I doubt it. Like, so... You know, if you're in San Quentin, you live in a, in a, in, in behind bars in a cell that's four feet wide and nine feet long, and your roommate weighs 270, that's an awesome time to have a clear message. If you have victims of something you've done wrong, uh, that's a great time to have a clear message. If you have a family that you're separated from for decades, that's a great time to have a clear message. And if you're right here in Texas in this room, that's a great time to have a clear message. Get clear about this. God loves you. That's it. Stop negotiating with him. He's not interested. He just wants you to bring all of you to all of him. You guys, I've been to Africa, I bet 50 times. I, I never take the uh, malaria meds. I mean, like, what are the chances? <laughs> I got malaria last time. Nearly killed me. You know the awesome part? I was in the ICU for two weeks. I lost 30 pounds. I mean, my, my next book isn't even gonna have words, just one mosquito with an attitude, bites in the head, all goes away. Here's the bummer, we got the bill, $140,000. <laughs> and it's not covered. <laughs> there goes my Prius. But, but here's the deal, I could have avoided it with a nickel pill and a half a glass of water. And some of the stuff that's getting you off the mission, you got important work to do, you can avoid just that easy. So stop trying to have a Bible study or land the plane in this relationship you shouldn't be part of anyway. Just say, I'm out, we're done. And no shame, just like say, we're done. This is new me. I've spent 60 years being old Bob, but I woke up like 10 hours ago, I'm like, new Bob. <laughs> Who's he gonna be? And that's where heaven is leaning over the reel. Hey, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm fine after this whole malaria thing. Here, reach out your right hand. Come on, hold it out. Is that steady? Yeah, you could do Lasix. You just bring your eyeballs up to her. Uh, my right hand, steady as a rock, you guys. My left hand. <laughs> I could whip eggs. <laughs> Something got disconnected. I have no idea what to do about this. But I was standing with a group of men, and they said, let's all hold hands. You know what I did? I put my hands in my pockets. Because they didn't want them to think I was weak. I cared about what it looked like. I didn't want them to think I was nervous being around them. And I realized what I've been doing in my faith my whole life is reaching out my strong hand. The eighth miracle that Jesus did was a guy with a withered hand. Remember what he said? Reach out your hand to me. And I'm learning how to reach out my weak hand. You want to get authentic with your faith? 
Stop reaching out your strong hand. Reach out the weak one. Say, man, I, I've got some stuff I'm working through too. And it's a little unclear to me how it works. I mean, I, it cracks me up. Every time you see a picture of Bigfoot, it's always fuzzy, right? <laughs> There's always like, there he is. I, and I, and, and in James, they, they talk about that, 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 that it's like looking through a mirror dimly, but then face to face. We're not gonna understand some of the stuff that's going on and why we did we did, but we can try, and the way to do it is with authenticity. If we can just get more authentic about telling a person or two what's really going on in our life, then we start understanding the plot. Some of you, uh, like me, watched this uh, TV series. It was years ago. It was called Lost. Remember that? I hated that thing, because there's no plot. I mean, like, I don't, still don't know what the smoke monster was doing. And I'm like, what the heck? Uh, but remember, they went down into a bunker at some point, and they started to put these numbers into this machine because they didn't know what would happen if they stopped putting the numbers in. Who remembers the numbers? 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, and 42. You guys, everybody was playing the lotto, largest lotto in the history of ever. <laughs> That's a thing. And it, the numbers they picked, 4, 8, 15, 16, 23. People lost their minds until they realized everybody watching Lost picked those numbers. <laughs> everybody got like 60 bucks. Like, <laughs> I want you to find the plot again. You've got important work to do. Can we figure out what that is? And your important work is this. It isn't about all these things that you may have been doing. Your important work is to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. That's it. You guys quit making your faith really complicated. It's eyes fixed. I got this dog. I, it's just, it's, it just won't die. It's like older than dirt. And it never liked me. And I didn't really care for it that much. But his whole world is this blue ball. Do you have a dog like that wherever the ball goes? I keep throwing it in the fireplace. I'm like, fetch. Like, <laughs> what if you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus? What if you just say, I've got important work to do. I'm not coming down. I'm not getting distracted. I'm going to get real about it. I'm reaching out my weak hand, not my strong hand. That's where all the good stuff happens in our life. You, you, every idea that seems like a good idea isn't always a great idea. Here, to ask this town in Canada, <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Like, what I want us to do is get to the important work of figuring out what's really going on. I, I, I had a secretary, I was kind of a buzzkill because she had this uh, screensaver up on her thing for, and she just, that's her goal. And I let her know, do you know what uh, makes the white sand beach? Actually, these fish. It's called the parrotfish, and when the coral goes through the parrotfish, you know what I'm saying? It ends up for 10,000 years, you get a white sand beach. One of the things that I want us to do is that you're going to go through some really difficult things, things you won't understand. Give it a little time. Quit being in a hurry to figure it all out right now. Keep your eyes on this beautiful things, and don't let silly things tie you down. I remember as a, as a kid, my parents read me Gulliver's Travels. <laughs> remember, these are threads that are keeping him tied down. He thought he was stuck, and the little Lilliputians were running around thinking they got the big guy. And I guess what I want to do is to have a, a more realistic picture of what our faith looks like. 
that we're actually invited to something big and tremendous and, and, and winsome. Uh, there was a guy, actually he didn't live very far from here. His, his big ambition was to learn how to play electric guitar. And so he got one and he started playing. His first gig was uh, professionally was with this rising country western star 17 years ago before she was a country western star. And her name was Carrie Underwood. <laughs> Ed Eason is his lead, her lead guitarist. And he could just melt your face. I mean, he just goes and goes and goes. Well, they're on this world tour, and they stopped through San Diego. And he called up and said, you want a ticket? I'm like, yes, I can't afford one of those. And so, so I get to the will call, I get the ticket, and I'm walking up to the, the nosebleed section with it, and they, they stopped me, they said, no, no, this ticket gets you onto the floor. I'm like, yes. So I go onto the floor with my ticket, and they stop me again, they say, no, this ticket gets you into the mosh pit. Not sure what that is, but I'm like, <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I get into the mosh pit with this ticket, and they said, no, this is an all-access pass. I thought I could go back to Carrie's bus and start rifling through her clothes. <laughs> like, so, but what if we realize that this idea that, that Jesus came to die so that we, we would have access to all of heaven, the ones that are looking down at you, you could be looking back. That's because we're going to have a time where we're spending forever with Jesus. And I just don't want to spend it distracted here. I want to practice being in his presence. I, I was back in South Carolina and this thing. There's still actually this place called Hickory. I, they were actually still arguing about who gets to use which bathroom. I'm like, whatever. I'm just holding it. So, well... <laughs> I just don't want to get caught up in these useless controversies. It's not that they don't matter. It's just like compared to heaven, it just doesn't matter at all. I, I've got important work to do, and so do you. We, we get distracted. 5,000 advertisements every day directed our way. And then you get the one for Burger King. <laughs> it like, looks like this, but the one I got was on the right. You know, I think they just have a person sitting on them. <laughs> behind. They've got just... Deep knee bends. We're not an advertisement for Jesus. We're supposed to be proof. And this is how we get to be proof. To get realistic with them. To be real. To take, like Paul said, I don't have anybody like Timothy. He's a guy who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. I want to be that guy, don't you? Just to take an interest in people. To, to just find ways to engage them. And I... I, I what I want to be is the guy that just slows down, just finds people that are in need. It was a couple years ago, it was just outside Detroit, and there was a trucker going down the highway, and he saw this overpass. There was a young man that looked like he was going to jump. And that trucker had places to go. So do I, so do you. But he took a genuine interest in that guy's welfare. He stopped his truck. He didn't stop there. He called every other truck on the highway told them what was going down, and this is what happened. They all lined up. The message was clear. If you fall, you're not falling far. People, you get to do that. You're the family of God. You get to find people who keep it super real, who have the guts to reach out a weak hand, and to say, I'm not gonna let you fall far, and you get to do it with your words. It's crazy. Well, James 5, like with our tongues, we can praise God and curse men. And I got a fast tongue. 
And I'm just trying to slow it down a little bit. And I'm trying to learn from people like you that just have kind words. There was a woman, I bet it was three or four weeks ago, that came up to me after I spoke and she said, are you a friend of Bill W's? And I know a lot of guys named Bill. And I was racking my brain. I didn't know who she was talking about. Three weeks later, I realized she was talking about the founder of Bill, yeah, Alcoholics Anonymous and the, and the courageous men and women that are part of that. She didn't want to ask me if I was in recovery. She knew if I was in recovery, I'd know who Bill W. was. That, I called her up. I said, this is the nicest thing anybody's ever done. Your words have the ability to heal people. Uh, another friend lost his child, his infant child, beautiful little girl. They went to sleep. The parents woke up and she didn't. He was just filleted by this. And there was a woman that was still, I think, working on her people skills a little bit. And, and she came up and she said, I know exactly how you feel. My dog died too. And he, he took this long breath and he put his hand on her shoulder and he said, tell me what your dog's name was. Isn't that beautiful? Instead of saying, how could you? Instead of comparing his loss to her loss, he took a genuine interest. And as we wrap up, this part of the evening. I just want you to know that that's the important work that God has for us, that we would take a genuine interest in the people around us. We'd be really mindful about what we put in our pockets. What are you hanging on to? That we'd realize that God calls you and me beloved and that, that it's gonna take authenticity to pick that lock. If we get that stuff right, we get everything right. Will you do this? Could you, could you grab a shoulder or a hand or whatever's not creepy next to you? <laughs> You'll know. I want in on this. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Never sit in the front row. No, that's wrong. Always sit in the front row. That's right. That's right. Hey, let's pray. Could we keep our eyes open? We get to spend forever together. I want to remember what you look like. So Jesus, be with each man and woman in this room. Give them the guts and grit to keep it real. We don't care what it looks like. We care what it is. Come on, Dad. Let us have a genuine interest in other people and receive your forgiveness as we look up to heaven and heaven looks down on us. In your strong, strong, strong name, amen. Amen. amen.